Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. The two episodes of the PKD Black Box that will air this month are dedicated to hip-hop. On this episode, you will hear from MC Tribe One, as well as artist Julian Lytle, as we talk about some of our favorite, or we answer the question, who is the most inspirational group in the history of hip-hop, and it turns into a conversation that goes absolutely everywhere. uh, Look, if you're a fan of hip-hop, even if you're not a fan of hip-hop, sit back and get some hip-hop inspiration and motivation one-on-one style as myself, Julian, and Tribe One go all in on this. Hope you enjoy it. I did have a wonderful time talking to these two brothers. This is a fantastic, fantastic episode. And this episode is brought to you by the Lexington Comic and Toy Convention. You can go to LexingtonComicCon.com to check that out. The Lexington Comic and Toy Convention takes place March 24th in Lexington, Kentucky. And is this episode is also brought to you by Double Jumpers Issue 1, now available for pre-order. Uh, from Action Lab Entertainment. You can pre-order a copy of Double Jumpers Number 1 at your local comic book store or on your various uh, online retailer. Uh, the diamond code is MAR120710. And you can find out more about Double Jumpers at www.actionlabcomics.com. And now, our feature presentation. We are asking the question, who is the most influential hip-hop group of all time and why? And on the line, we got you know two people I'm glad to have on the show. First, you've heard him on this show many times before. He is the creator of the webcomic Ants, artist extraordinaire, podcaster of the Ignorant Bliss podcast, uh, Glyph-nominated dude, great dude, ladies and gentlemen, Julian Lido. Julian, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. What's up? Hey, the man. world what's up people you're <laughs> gonna talk about this rap music yes yes you like it because you choose it so oh, yes you know so yeah man definitely I'm, I'm glad to have you on brother thanks man we gotta have some we gotta put some some puffy diddy bops up in this episode we gotta have you know what i'm saying oh yeah you gotta have some puffy samples up in here. Like Uh-oh. this is the remix <laughs> this is the remix oh, i already got the puffy music beds already ready Take that, take that, take that. <laughs> <laughs> and also on yeah, keep back. <laughs> See? Yes. Uh, can't stop, won't stop. Let's guess. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm dancing right now, boy. Oh, that used to get me that used to get me hyped though. But before we before we go with more puffy ad libs, also on the other line is a gentleman that I have wanted to have on this podcast for a very long long time. I was introduced. Uh, to this man's rhymes and his flow 
on the West Coast Avengers mixtape presented by Adam Warrock. This man is a talented MC. He currently has an album available on Bandcamp called We Can Do Nothing Here But Perish, which can be found at Tribe One, T-R-I-B-E-O-N-E dot dot Bandcamp dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, Tribe One. Tribe, how you doing, sir? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me on the uh, on the podcast. Oh, sir. Hey, yeah, you're more than welcome. I'm glad you're here. So before we get started on our conversation, I want to give you the floor and let you talk about your album. We can do nothing here but perish. Oh man, it was uh, it started as a, a tour promo CD for when I joined the Race Wars tour with MC Chris, MC Lars, Mega Ran, and and Adam Warrock. And uh, I just wanted to get something together so so people could remember me on the road. And once I got back from tour, I put it up on Bandcamp. It's it's songs with me rapping, and uh, it's half half studio, half live. If you listen to it, I hope you like it. It was released back in November 2011. It's got production by Jules Gully with two capital L's, DJ Dust, Alexander. Adils? I can Yeah, okay. Adils. Cool. Uh, DJ Empirical, Ruckus Roboticus, and the Thought Criminals. So, uh, yes, it has 10 tracks, 5 bucks. You can get it at bandcamp.com or tribe1.bandcamp.com. It is literally the best deal in the universe. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. You cannot go wrong with some Tribe 1 up in your house. Now, what we're going to talk about, like I said before, we are here to talk about who is the most influential hip-hop group of all time and why. And and there will be tangents, so please, please prepare for them. See, you can see Tribe, or as as some people call him, Niles. Just so you know, this podcast is heavy on tangents. Okay, we live I'm and, prepared. We live and die on that. We have a list of influential hip hop groups: uh, Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash, and the Furious Five, Run DMC, N.W.A., Wu Tang Clan, and Public Enemy. And the reason why that list is like that is because on Twitter a few months back, The Rock, aka Dwayne Johnson, brought up this question: Who is the most influential hip hop group of all time, and why? And he, the Rock is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and he put this list of groups up there, and I was just like, wow. So a lot of people responded to it, you know. And I was I didn't know he was that much into hip hop. I had no idea. Like I said, there are also other groups that you can add to this list. Tribe called Quest, Gangstar, and you know, if you want to add, add add them in your discussion, that's fine. But I really wanted to talk with y'all and get y'all, you know, your opinion, both of you gentlemen. I wanted to get your opinions on who is the most influential and why. And what we're going to do is we will start with our guest that is new to the show. We will start with Tribe One. You have the floor. Oh man, just putting me on the spot right away. <laughs> all right, all right. So for me. I thought about the the question after I got your email, and I have to first off admit that I am not the biggest aficionado of the more old school hip hop. Mm -hmm. I really jumped in uh, when Snoop Dogg came on the scene. Okay, Um, you know, of course, I went back and listened to the old stuff, but you know, right that moment was when I became a hip hop head, I guess. And uh, you know, growing up in California in the Bay Area, Snoop Dogg was you know about the biggest thing that could possibly happen in the universe because he's from california yes and um so for me in in answer to the the question posed in the email the the answer is hands down nwa and i say that because like NWA's influence is something that we're still, 
you know, and 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 now it's gotten to the point where gangster rap is something that we're trying to get out of. Mm-hmm. But like they're the ones that you know brought it as a as first like a political eye-opening kind of thing but then on later albums it was almost like a parody of themselves where they're like okay okay this sold records so now we're just going to take it over the top and then you know everybody else started doing it rapping about guns and and all of the stuff that we you know we can now look back and recognize okay maybe this isn't the most positive thing for for the art form or for the community um but this is still what people are talking about in 2012. Well, there was also that issue of in that situation with NWA was art, you know, was it art imitating entertainment or was it entertainment imitating art or was mm-hmm. it art entertain, you know, uh, imitating life or life imitating art. Mm-hmm. And I, when I came on to listen to NWA, I didn't like, I heard a hundred miles and running or straight out of Compton. I kind of heard it. Because it wasn't really played on local radio in Ohio unless it was like late Friday night during like, you know, when you had a live DJ mix and stuff. And they would mix, you know, a little bit of Straight Out Compton or 100 Miles and Running or Express Yourself. They would mix that and they would play Express Yourself during the daytime. That was the only NWA track that got play during the mm-hmm. daytime because that's pretty much the most positive song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. the, the least yeah. amount of curse words per capita. Yes, yes, definitely. I didn't really hear NWA until the um, Niggas for Life album came out. That's when, like, and that's also when MTV took a hold of them and put them in heavy rotation. Like, as far as, like, Yo! MTV Raps or any other programming that didn't have to do with, like, pop music or rock music. Oh, what was the name of that song? I can't remember the actual name, but it was the first single off that album, off of that album, because they took the title of the album and they inversed it on the cover so they could still sell the CD. And I, and I remember that also being played to death at least once a day on your on uh, BET's Rap City constantly. And, and you're right, they you know they are they are definitely influential because they really pushed you know they really pushed the gangster rap. They really pushed the gangster rap and was like kind of like the foundation of it. I mean, like that sound, that gangster rap sound and you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Go back and listen to Public Enemies. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back and listen to Black Steel or Black Steel in an Hour of Chaos. Go back and listen to that beat. Listen to that production beat. Listen to the lyrical flow of Chuck D. And to me, that song was the birth of West Coast hip hop and West Coast, gangsta, West Coast gangster rap. Listen to that song and then go listen to like NWA, go listen to NWA tracks, uh, listen to like MC Ren stuff, Ice Cube, all of that. To me, that song was the inspir- was the, like the inspiration. Not, it was, it didn't like just create, it's just like it didn't come out of the blue and create West Coast, you know, West Coast gangster rap, but I think that song was the foundation because the one thing Chuck D did, he told a story. He was able to tell, he was able to tell a story, you know, a complete story, but it's a ruthless story. And it's probably like the most, to me, it's the most violent song. It's, to me, it's the most violent public enemy song that was probably ever made. Because like normally PE songs would just be like, you know, talking about social issues and stuff like that. And this song was talking about a social issue, but in a way it was telling this fictional story. Go back and listen to that and you will see like those spots of the foundations of West Coast ga- gangster rap in that track but i'm sorry i digress um please continue continue i mean yeah that was my main point and you know looking back at the list 
I, you know, I think Grandmaster Flash is is significant because he's one of the first ones that made hip hop sound good. Mm-hmm. And then Sugar Hill Gang was one of the first ones that made hip hop fun. Right. And then Tribe Called Quest is partially where I got my name from. They're you know one of the first ones that had like a sustained career in hip hop yeah. and put out albums that were consistently amazing and, and progressively better each time. Run DMC was one of the first commercially viable hip hop acts mm-hmm. and, and really put Def Jam on the map. Well, no, no, they were profile. Were they? Yeah, they were profile. What happened oh, was they, we, put, they did put they did put Russell on the map. Yeah, because since he was, it was you know Run be, Run being his brother, him you know promoting out the ass and then working with Curtis Blow and all. But mm-hmm. it's funny because yeah, they're profile artists, but really, like they were almost based like on it was before Jeff Jam existed. Yes, and they were like honorary. Def Jam people because they was always with the crew, you know. And so you think that yo, you think they Def Jam. They ain't. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's mad crazy because Russell Simmons once said on an MTV interview, it was like this, like a hip hop bio doc. He said that he got they got the deal for Run DMC on Profile, and the only and the only reason why was because he said, okay, he's like, I'm just gonna let Profile hold him for a while until I get Def Jam started, and once I get Def Jam started, I'll bring him over. Profile was like, no, that ain't gonna happen. He couldn't, he couldn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't going. Yeah, happen. once they prove they can make money, nobody's gonna let him go. No, no, and and to me, like, there were I think like how many acts from Profile can I remember? It's like it was Run DMC, uh, Rob Bass, DJ Easy Rock, and like Camp Low, but no, Camp Low wasn't Profile. Camp Low was Arista, but or you know they may have been Profile because Profile I think was under the Arista banner, if memory serves me right, but. Those were like the only acts from Profile I can remember. Yeah, there's a couple, probably a couple with DJ Quick. There's probably when there's one DJ Quick album from Profile, and that was like in the late '90s, Rhythmalism or something like that. Man, that album is dope. Yeah, yeah, that album is nice. <laughs> That's like one of two DJ Quick albums I have and I love. But, but yeah, you're right. They are an honorary Def Jam group because everybody you could pretty much associate them with Def Jam because of yeah. because of Russell. That's me. That's me proving my earlier statement that I, you know, I am not too knowledgeable about the the too distant past. Oh, dude, it's all right. We all came into this in different times in our lives. Yeah, you you know what I mean. We all, all of us, all all of us. I mean, I got a I got a younger brother who a couple years ago was like Gucci Mane is the best rapper ever, and I just looked <laughs> and I just looked at him. And I said, right. Are you fucking you crazy? School. Thank you, please, because I don't care when you get into it. Sorry, you do, you do not get to say Gucci Man is the best rapping anything ever. Not if, even even for your generation. Like I'll I'll give you Little Wayne. I'll give you him. No, no Gucci, no Flocka, mm-hmm. no. There's a lot of cats out there. No Little Webby, no. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hit not, not even Jeezy, even though he's a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. He be getting me motivated. You know, I'll be going out there. I be trying to hustle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I ain't going to give you Ross because I don't believe he writes his rhymes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a whole... No, no. I'm glad you... you Hope, hopefully you giving them education on a regular basis. <laughs> I try, man. Like, I just can't. I just can't stand. Oh yeah, I was. You don't know how hurt I was when he opened up his laptop. This is when he was still in high school. He opened up his laptop and he had like Gucci Mane wallpaper, mixtape wallpaper on there, and like uh, I looked and I was like, "What is this? 
I was like, if, I was like, if, first off, I was like, if, I was like, if our mom sees this, she's gonna fuss at you. <laughs> first off, for putting Gucci Mane on, on your wallpaper on your laptop, he started laughing. I was like, and second off, Gucci Mane is terrible. He's uh, and god awful. <laughs> get it from my mama and, and the Hummer. <laughs> Burr. But I ain't gonna lie, yo. I took I took icy from him. I'm running that shit to the ground. Stole that drink. But and I was get it from my mama. <laughs> but you know he's a little bit older now, so I'm able to introduce him to like hip hop, hip hop that he probably that he appreciates more now than he did like four years ago. But like, but that's how much the industry has changed. That's how much the business has changed. Internet was here when he was born. Mm. You know, internet wasn't here when. I was born you know it grew up with us and advanced quickly so it's a whole different generational listening gap too you know he didn't have rap city on for two and a half hours a night you know what i mean god damn shame yeah you know god damn shame. there there was no less joe claire <laughs> yeah okay oh, and even the original the mayor chris thomas Oh, ooh. Yeah. see, you went back before my time. I didn't even have cable then. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know who the host of Rap scene when I was friends' house. I just saw videos. We all learn this differently. And all of our backgrounds come, you know, are just different on it. But with NWA, it's just one of those things where there's there's so much talent in that in that camp. Yeah, I mean, look at who came out of it. Like Easy E, uh, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and then and each of them has has since well, except for Ice Cube, my friend uh, Adon, who's in the group Remnant with me, he has a theory about Ice Cube that Ice Cube brings out acts like, uh, who is it, like the Gorillas or oh, Gorilla Squad? The Lynch Mob. The Lynch Mob, yeah. Like he he has these protégés, like Easy He had Bone Thugs and Dr. Dre had Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube had I mean, the Lynch yeah. Mob. Yeah. And then they just kind of, you know, fizzle and go nowhere to where like it's almost a conspiracy ooh, 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 ooh. but you could say right the ice cube moved to a whole new lane that he gave us chris tucker so ah. you know you can give him that so he gave us chris tucker okay he gave us rappers making movies you know what i'm saying making he he, yeah. he went to a whole different lane because he was writing all the easy rhymes him and ren so uh, he transcended his game differently than yeah. than like say for instance dre and and like easy e because like the whole other thing with Ice Cube is, is that yeah he went to different forms of entertainment and now he's you know he's a mega entrepreneur because of it. He's still he's like a mogul. Yeah, he still like yeah. and he still likes to rhyme and he'll still cut albums regardless of how you feel about them. Regardless, <laughs> yeah. of, re- regardless <laughs> yeah, of how true. you feel about them, because he does not care. He don't. He, he's like I'm gonna cut this record. I don't give a fuck what you think, you, you, because he loves hip hop. And even he knows he's like he's older, you know he's older now. So it's like you're not going to expect him to go back and revisit America's Most Wanted or there's some stuff like that. He might talk about some social issues in a couple of rhymes, but normally he's going to cut some party cuts. Yeah. I think it's because his rhyme style changed around Players Club era. Yeah. When he made that movie. His rhyme, his his flow, and everything changed up, and a lot of his older fans, me included, was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, the, what the what the hell are you doing, Cube? Your flow was yeah. ridiculous, son. Like, you why with the... Like, no, son. No, like, you know what man, it is? He hooked up with Mac-10 and tried to sound like him. I know, but it's like, mm. yo, Mac-10 is like, yo, all right, if this was superheroes, 
Like, you do not try to sound like Geoforce. You are Batman, son. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Like, no. you're cute. Oh, yeah, you can't forget Yellow makes porn, so he eating too. Yeah, yeah, that that's still crazy how uh, DJ Yellow just, like, left the music business and started doing, like, porn. I, and, only, and I didn't find that out until, like, two years ago when they were going. I'm, behind, I'm just now finding that out, like, this second. Behind the music. Oh. The behind the music at NWA. They showed that I was like, "Oh my God, that's genius, Yellow." <laughs> it's, like, it's naked women, it's sex, and it makes a gang of money. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. that that is the most hip hop thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, the thing is, like you talked about, you talked about that uh, Players Club track and how like people got upset because his flow changed. I remember people spitting stuff saying that cubes like oh he sold out when he did that song with uh, one of the members of bone thugs and harmony and it sampled a, a glenn jones uh, r&b cut and it was basically like listen go you know go get it the world is yours you can make it if you want to and i mean it was a pretty positive song of folks like man cube sold out i'm like yo how many albums did he give you and you gonna sit there and say he sold out? And see, I didn't understand. And see, that I didn't understand. It's it's yeah, like yeah. you can't. I never heard that. I never heard anybody hate on him when I was. Um, dude, like in in where I where I grew up at in Ohio. Oh, dude, man, folks hated on Cube for that song, and I love that song. Sometimes, like I, I like it when a hip hop track by somebody like I I like and I grew up with. My mama can listen to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember when like the radio edit version of How Do You Want It came out. My mama loved that song. How do you want it? Ooh. You know, the How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, Casey Jojo was that little drum like whatever that boy was. Oh yeah. man, yo. Ooh. Yeah. That was <laughs> that, was, yeah. that, role. Yeah. that was that was the cut. But it was like a radio edit. I could never play the You can't the, play the real one. No, I couldn't play the real one in front of my, in front of mom, but she loved the radio, the radio edit. Lisa Ray all getting down low with that little that little bikini on, yeah, <laughs> being objectified to the most heights of objectification on rap videos of that time. Yeah, yeah, objectification was high. Pre pre uncut, cause you that wasn't the zenith of objectification in rap videos yet. Oh yeah, it was pretty high. Yeah, that is true. That yeah. is very true. But but see, we we keep, we see once again tangents are plenty. Tangents. <laughs> but yeah, you're right though. I mean, it you 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 without NWA breaking up, you don't get Death Row Records. You don't you don't get the Chronic. You don't get America's Most Wanted. You don't get Kill It Will. You know you don't and and you don't get the um, mature you know the maturation of Dr. Dre from from NWA yeah. to Death Row to Aftermath to then. After that, Dr. Dre presents the Aftermath album that nobody that nobody really bought and nobody really believed, although Been There, Done That is a fat track. He finally broke out and merged old Dre with new Dre, and you got The Chronic 2001. Yes. Yeah. Which came out in 99, which is, still perplexes me. Mm-hmm. He called it 2001. Yeah. yeah. Well, at that point, Suge Knight knew he was going to do it, so he copyrighted yeah. the name Chronic 2000, so he didn't really have a choice. You mm. should call it the Chronic '99 or something, like, cause it came out like it came out '99. I, I was in sophomore college. I was like, oh, but we ain't really care. It was called 2001. Mm-hmm. I was just looking back as an old man, thinking about it. It's like, why ain't you just call it '99? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it don't really matter. Yeah, but like, yeah. but you're right. I mean, NWA did influence a, a, a lot of pe- a lot of people because, like, like you said, if like we said. 
you don't if they don't break up, Dre doesn't make the chronic, or he doesn't like go and like help Snoop make Doggy Style, which then like Biggie listens to both of those records and says, I got to go get my book and I got to start writing, you know, writing rhymes and changing up stuff like this, which was been, which has been said in a bunch of uh, notorious B.I.G. docs to which then yeah. you don't get ready to die. It touches a lot of different spectrums of the hip hop game. You don't get Eminem later on. That, yep. Nope. Nope. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you don't. You don't, you don't get Eminem. You don't get the return of Snoop Dogg either, because that 2001 helped bring him back too. Yeah, that is true. Get, exhibit, exhibit started popping off real heavy back yeah. then too. Without NWA, you don't really have West Coast hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. This is the truth, because. You know, I remember Ice T coming out, but Ice T and like Too Short, them they weren't really, they weren't getting no radio play over here. No, no, and and Too Short, Too Short is one of one of the acts that you can count on one hand that made it out of the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. and there's 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 tons of dudes over there that are making a living, like rapping, but they just never get out of the Bay. Right, and it's like that to me this is this is a ridiculous tangent it has nothing to do with what we're talking about but that that to me is always fascinating it is amazing because the bass seems to have this great this great like thing in hip-hop like like forever but it just it never really breaks out like it just does it just sits there like i ain't found out about mac dre until like five years ago (laughs) i was like you mean that was was mac dre all i knew about was e40 and 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 short dog and and yeah and yeah and the loonies yeah and the loonies and tupac was from the bay for a little bit i remember yeah Yeah. i remember as a teenager teenager early 20s going to go into a cd just to go into a cd store and look at through the hip-hop area i'm like who is aunt banks and why does he yeah. have seven cds <laughs> you, you know what i mean yeah. you know that dude if, if, if i'm not mistaken is from the bay the dude is a bay area legend yeah it, it, so it's, it's kind of crazy and not only that but when you talk about cats like e40 because didn't e40 have the click yeah, yeah, he did. And like he had like cats like D Shot and who who was able to get a song with Daryl Hall. Um <laughs> which today, I mean, I still remember that video. I'm like, how did you pull Daryl Hall, get him in your video and sing a hook? I I still don't know. That's uh, that's just fucking amazing. But that was the power of hip hop in the nineties. Like, yeah. you know, team ups team ups be damned. It was gonna happen. Yeah, I was impressed when E40 on the opening track of one of his records, I, I forget the name of it, is the one where he's got the, he's like on a big watch face. He had uh, Rashid Wallace on his opening track. <laughs> Yo, who don't mess with E40? I remember, I remember watching an old episode of Rap City and they was in the Bay. They was talking to E40. Somebody said something about Hammer. Oh. And then E40 looked at the dude. Don't you ever talk no bad about Hammer. Hammer took care of all of Oakland. It was like, I was like, ooh, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. That's right, 40 water. School your punk ass. You know what I'm saying? Never diss Hammer. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Never. That, that man was the stimulus package for, the, for, for Oakland. He really was. Yeah, he, yeah, that's right. He was the bailout. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why like, I never knew. I can, I can never disrespect Hammer. Never, ever. Look, he was one of the cats that, yeah, he did make hip hop pop friendly okay he had his own cartoon yeah yeah him he had a cartoon yeah him and oh, kid man. play only cats with cartoons yes 
Yeah. yeah. Man, I remember that thing. It had terrible animation. It, it was, was terrible. But it had was James awful. Brown. Yeah. James Brown was his mentor. I want to make that comic book. Damn that. <laughs> Have a man in the comic book be one yeah. Set in Oaktown. Yeah. I remember Oak that. That's man, right. we used to watch that on Saturday morning. Oh, All yeah. the time. My great grandmother loved that. Loved Hammer. And <laughs> in the kid and play cartoon. In order for them to do the Running Man, they just took one animation and just constantly recycled it. So to make it look like they was doing the Running Man for like more than five minutes, every dance party, everybody was doing the Running Man. That's right. That was what's up, though. Yeah. That was, that was the stuff. play. Let everybody say. And they had a comic book. Yeah. Mar- Kid Play was big. You yeah. forget how big Kid Play was. Kid Play was real big. Select Records. Select Records. Once again, Select Records. A label nobody Herbie remembers. Love, Herbie Lovebug. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, oh, dude. Wow. And Chubb Rock was on select records. We have went on a major uh, tangent. All right. <laughs> pulling it back in. I'm pulling it back in. Here we go. We schooling. We schooling. We schooling them, them all them people who want to listen to your show. Mm-hmm. And all they do is read Avengers. And they probably be listening to whatever they listen to. <laughs> and they're going to be like, man, I don't understand nothing about rap music. And they're going to be like, oh, great. Thank you, Sean Pryor. Thank you for teaching me all the intricacies of rap music of the last 25 years. It's such a short dialogue. And Julian, I'm about to let you go ahead and talk about talk about you know who you who you feel is the most influential. But it's just amazing how like all these acts really it's kind of like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever. They all one way shape or form touch somebody, and then it sprouts off to another tree, and then that touches somebody else and another group of people, and it spawns something else and it spawns something else. I don't think personally there's ever been more of a kinetic form of connection of music than with hip-hop and and yes and i know hip-hop has changed especially over the last five years and with the homogenization of corporate radio but even with that even if you just like you you cut off you know you cut off like the last five to seven years of hip-hop i don't think there's nothing i don't think there's anything more kinetic and more and more touching as far as like this spawned off from this and this sound spawned off and gave us this and it gave us this artist. I don't think there's anything um, more than that than when, than when it comes to hip hop. So yeah, but um, you know what, Julian? We're going to go ahead. Unless, unless, unless now you got something else that you want to add to with the NWA, sir. Uh, well, actually, I was going to talk about Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. Uh, going back to your point that yeah, hip hop like, that is like, you know, professional wrestling in in those clicks and everything because they were the first ones to really uh bring that to the forefront yes and you because you know wu-tang clan is like nine nine ten eleven dudes and then they had wu-tang records that had everybody else mm-hmm. and then Kill coming army. yeah killer army sons of man man there was a time when i had I, I was a collector i've always been a collector of everything but i i collected every single wu-tang affiliated record i had even like Ray the or is it Lay or La the Dark Man? Yeah, L.A. the Dark Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Shaheem. And, Shaheem uh, was little. He was nice back when he was a teenager. Yeah, he was. Actually, his his second album came out in like ninety nine two thousand. It was dope. Yeah, it was. I remember being really impressed by it. And you God's first album was amazing. Yeah, the lead track on that was bizarre. I had the single for yeah. that. Yeah, that was nice. That was real. But yeah, so like like after Wu Tang came out, that was when. And I may have my timelines a little off, but like Death Row became Death Row after Wu Tang was Wu Tang, and and you know Loud Records became Loud Records after Wu Tang was Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. 
so on yeah and so it's a lot forth. of crazy stuff with that because i read that book the big payback so i have a lot about like a lot of this little educated history of that my brain just sitting there percolating it was weird that was a weird period how like yeah that's my my, my most influential group is wu-tang clan because like that's the birth yeah. of nerd hip-hop right there it's the birth of nerd hip-hop like yeah like yeah nerd hip-hop it's just fact of like you can literally trace if you look at rap on a grand scale like death row came out started shattering everything new york was on the was on the low it was just nobody was really giving a fuck about east coast rap music east coast rap music at that time was like new york to philadelphia you know what i'm saying like that was that was everything that was all the rap music and you know what they were slacking and they macking right there out of nowhere (laughs) you got these two cats who was already signed once before they had failed albums who was cousins rizza and jizza and they got all their best homies together from all over the freaking boroughs and they combined and and they took their love of kung fu movies and comic books and yeah yep. and comic books put that shit together stirred it up and told stories of the streets as if it was them crazy ass stories they was watching <laughs> <laughs> and single-handedly brought all of new york back this is pretty bad boy yep. like the chronic yep. was heard everywhere that was unstoppable you heard that that freaking wu-tang claim that protect your neck oh my like what was it was amazing mm-hmm. it's amazing and all of them was dope how is all nine <laughs> dope yeah and it was all mad different like Method yeah. Man had charisma. Dirty was just the most grimiest, craziest dude ever. Like he was like if the Joker was rapping. Like you got RZA with this, just his little crazy flow and delivery, and Jizz is like just beating you over here with lyrics. You gotta like rewind it because you know everybody had tapes back then. That was a scientist. And, 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 and press play again he's like what is he saying and then oh and this is what gave us the man the legend ghost face killer yeah ghost face that's worth it alone should be influential yes. ghost face killer sorry he made iron man hot before fucking marvel made a movie <laughs> yeah yes yes yeah agreed 100 yes. percent. like oh, and then uh, only bill for cuban links what's that might actually be that's that, oh my gosh, that album! Criminology, where you start with the, a dope line from freaking Scarface, and then you just go and I can't even replicate what they were saying. It was just so raw. It's just like I put your nuts on the dresser, just your fucking nuts on the dresser. It, and I, it's like, bah, ah, like, 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 dude. People are referencing that today, and and nobody born post ninety four has any idea what they're talking about. I know it's uh, there's a come on. Will we even have Big Ghostface Chronicles website dissing these new rappers? There was no Wu-Tang. No, no, wait a minute. Now this Big Ghostface is not Ghostface Killer, though, right? No, it's not. Okay. Ghostface no. came out and said, "This is not me." Okay. This dude is just writing in the generic vernacular that we know of Ghostface. <laughs> so like he's dissing Drake or whatever 
And as you read it, it's just like, yo, if you ever listen to Ghostface talk, it's like, wow, this dude like must have studied like every instance of Ghostface talking, and he can write <laughs> as if you, you can, like hear like Ghostface, like, oh shit, that's Ghostface, and you think it's Ghostface, but you're like, oh no, it's not Ghostface. This shit got so big, he got interviewed by GQ. Think about that. Yeah, that's the permutation of Wu Tang, and then like RZA changed the game on like. On business is scoring sense. movies, yes, business scoring movies. He somehow got a deal that he got to decide all of his members to any label he wanted, which now yeah. would never happen. It would never yeah. happen, and hip hop most likely wouldn't be as big if he didn't use his freaking business knowledge to yeah. do that. You get his man to make freaking t-shirts and make their own freaking clothing label. Mm-hmm. There was no yeah. freaking hip-hop clothing label before. Wu Wei was selling in Staten Island somewhere. Nah, nah. Like, RZA single-handedly pioneered artist rights in hip-hop. Yes. Yes. Because that, but no, but you guys are right. That deal that the Wu-Tang Clan had was unprecedented. And no one Whatever. Never before, never since. Never since. And not only that, but see, Wu-Tang was the group, in my eyes, that taught other artists afterwards how to play the game. As far as yeah. as far as publishing goes, as far as what your rights are, as far as how to promote yourself, as far as, you know, quote unquote, bringing your family on. Because the one thing about Wu-Tang, it was a family. And yeah. because it was a family, it's like, okay, if I'm eating, you're eating. And they had that rule of Wu-Tang Clan album, if it makes X amount of dollars, we all get X, and then we put X amount away. And that goes in a group pot. So when we get older, we get that. And it was the same for, like, the other records. And and regardless of whether, you know, they have fallouts or not, they made so many other hip-hop artists smarter. So when a, when a new hip-hop artist stepped to a label... Um, at least most of them at least when most of the newer hip hop artists stepped to a label they knew the game right when they sat in that chair and that pissed off record labels (laughs) that honestly did it pissed off record labels because now a lot of these labels knew that they couldn't take the money they once took from them and that's why in my personal opinion you had all these creations of, um, of additional jobs within the labels you know prop up all of a sudden you know like there was the the increase of ARs there's an increase of internal administrative positions and that could have been for a couple of reasons one either the business was booming or two it's like okay these artists are making all the money but we're we're labels still making good money but where's my I want a bigger cut I'm used to my bigger cut how can we fix this it's too late Wu-Tang changed the game and labels got Dang salty man. you know they got salty because of that but I don't think label wise you'll ever see that ever again Ever, ever again. I mean, it's nah, it, it, nah. You won't. You won't. It, 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 the business is too changed now. The best you can do is hope that you get to such a level that you can do some crazy live nation deal where you like fifty to forty nine, fifty one, or fifty fifty, like Jay Z and Madonna got or some shit. Yeah. That's the closest you're gonna ever get. Right, but see, even and even with a live nation fifty fifty deal, to be honest with you, in my personal opinion, that doesn't even really matter unless you are super established. Yeah. Because it, yeah. if you're new to the scene, the, it, what if? Because we don't. Because labels don't build acts anymore. No, mm, you got to no, build it yourself. No. Yeah, labels don't build acts anymore. It used to be, if you sign with the label, they'd be like, okay, listen, here's your first album. This is your budget. We are going to start you off slow. 
We're going to let you tour in a couple little small spots. We will get you regional single coverage. So like a single or two will be in like a certain region of the United States. You will tour that area. That's it. And then they would prep you for your second album, which is more of your really true big debut. And then by your third third album, because normally it used to be two or three record, two or three album record deal. By the time your third album hit, you was going prime time. That's the way it used to be. It stopped being like that a long time ago. And like every now and then, you'll find an act that gets that grooming. Perfect example: Bob. Bob had a couple albums hmm. before before the uh, before the Bobby Ray record cut. He had a yeah. He had some mixtapes and stuff too. But yeah, yeah. He, he was he was a uh, yeah. He he it was weird. He seemed to have been groomed kind of well in comparison to the other members of his class, like yeah. his like class of artists. But it just when once the internet hit a certain level, like you, the labels, the labels became useless. Like why are you why am I, why are they doing all this stuff that they can just they can do it themselves, right? Like the kids can do it themselves. Like, dude, you got we got a dude that was on the grassy. Went from like a no, like <laughs> negligible teen actor to being probably one of the most popular rappers in the game because he had a blog and he put some kind of halfway decent raps up and he could kind of sing. Oh, but now he's writing songs for Alicia Keys and he's the number two hottest rapper in the game going by the Viacom networks. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against it. I actually listened to the album and for those listening, I'm talking about. Aubrey Drake Graham <laughs> like I listened to the album and prefer- preferably screwed and chopped so he actually sounds like you know like he can actually hurt somebody but, uh, <laughs> but yeah we're in this stage where he built up his entire buzz to the point where he had to find a way to release his mixtape so he can get legally, legally get Grammy nominations over some shit he just put on the internet Nicki Minaj, oh, what did she do? She copied Little Kim, even the album cover. Now she's fucking Black Lady Gaga. Like re- she didn't need a label. Nicki like, Minaj is to- such a wasted opportunity to me. Yeah, yeah. it was. It's, 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 yeah, that's it. That's an entirely. That's if that could be the tangents of all tangents is like <laughs> yeah. the freaking disappointment. Of the potential of what Nicki Minaj could have been, yeah. yeah, and and like and that's and that's the whole and that's a whole other thing, and we can we could definitely put that on 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 a, on a side table, as far as like female hip hop artists go, because I want because I want to keep us on the track, but at the same time I do want to dis- we might have to discuss that later, how with female hip hop artists, and I do blame labels, and look, especially because the majority of these labels are dude heavy as far as like who's running them, you know, who's running them and stuff like that, A and R's, all that stuff. Female hip hop artists don't get that shot, and when they do, you had a situation like Little Kim, where oh, Little Kim, you know, you know, had the. Um, you know, had raunchy lyrics and stuff like that. She couldn't, you know, but when she could, when she wanted to rhyme, she could rhyme. But it, so to me, it was like a waste because, like, listen, I understand if you want to do Millie Jackson, you basically want to be a hip hop Millie Jackson. That's fine, but there was nothing to counter it. And to me, that was a problem because radio stations quit playing MC Light after she turned thirty. You know, they get yeah, they get it got weird with all rappers. That there was a certain point, and we're. I guess we kind of got to think like Jay Z is an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, man. Like yo, rappers are not supposed to exist 
after about 32 years of age. Like 50 Cent is about, what, 33? Yeah. How often do you hear a 50 Cent record on the radio? Well, that's and that's, and that's another tangent because, let's be honest, after after his first mainstream record, um, Get Rich or Die Trying, his second album, The Massacre, yeah, he had Disco Inferno and had a couple other club bangers, but you look at all the other albums afterwards, you have to take two songs, two or three songs from each of those albums just to get one complete album. Yeah, and and yeah, that, yeah. and that's a and that's a problem. And I don't know if it's an identity issue or if it's an issue of okay, I got all these businesses on the side because Fifty is an entrepreneur. He's making money outside of hip hop. And then there was a period of time he was running his own label. You know, remember when he tried to get Mace? Remember when he tried to get MOP? You know, he pe- didn't get it. He they were signed. Yeah, he signed MOP. He signed Mob Deep. I was like. That was oh, a weird, that was a that. Weird. Oh yes. yeah, he, yeah. Bob they're... Deep was on fifty. This is be this is before Prodigy went to jail. This is before the H and I C series. Yep. This is just it was a weird period. I was like, why the fuck is and there's some tracks out there. It's like this is weird. Like, yeah. But yeah. it existed and yeah. <laughs> but it's just like like who like who's the only quote unquote let's say old rappers out there? Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. With the oldest being Jay Z. Yeah. If you want to count Puff Daddy as a rapper, I don't. Maybe I, I really don't either. <laughs> but um, he's out there. He's doing what he does. Yeah. But um, but Nas Nas yeah. is still out there. Snoop Dogg yeah. when he wants to. Yeah. When and when when Snoop. Not very often. Yeah. I have a whole thing. And and okay. All right. I'm sorry. I've been. Yeah. I have to go on this tangent. Go ahead. Snoop Snoop Dogg and Nas. Are are East Coast West Coast parallels of the same career where their first albums are amazing classics, untouchable classic records. Everything they've done since, with with Nas, with half of uh, it was written being the exception. Both of their careers after their first albums have just been absolute garbage but we give them the pass we still let them be relevant because their first albums were amazing i don't think they were garbage they're inconsistent they're in i won't say garbage they're inconsistent it's just you, you, you would drop it like it's hot was pretty good that little little pharrell era i was i was fucking with that was my little mid-20s uh groove right there you they, know there are definitely slip-ups mm. Let, let's be real yeah. there are definitely slip-ups i mean like because i ain't forgot about the dog father that hurt my feelings <sighs> man oh it's terrible you it's terrible <laughs> like, you remember the game is to be sold not to be told we're not gonna talk yeah, about oh, the no limit let's records. Not talk about this. <laughs> no no wait there's one no limit record there's two there's two two yeah there's c murders top, top this is for this is for my niggas definitely for my niggas what bump 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 you hear that shit you want to smack somebody in the face <laughs> You remember, you remember, like, woof, motherfucker, woof, motherfucker. Oh. Yo, you had them, them, all them No Limit Beats was tough, and then you got Bitch Please. Yeah, and that, and that was him and Exhibit. It, would, it was like, oh my God, Snoop Dogg yeah. is back. We was like running around like, it was, it was like seeing somebody coming home from war or something. It yeah. was like, what the, wait, Snoop Dogg is back, and then we got 2001, it was like, oh shit. And, yeah. and the oh thing is, God. after 2001, he's had albums where he's had strong singles, just not complete albums, but, I, I, but like with with any other artist, what would be career-ending mistakes? We we let them pass because yeah. Doggy Style was phenomenal, and yes. and and Uchi Wally for anyone else, no, I would, would never have been a career ender. No, he it was a career ender. If he didn't have beef with Jay Z, no one give a fuck with Nas. Yeah, if he didn't drop Ether. If he didn't drop Ether, it'd have been done. Yeah, because he dropped Ether. Still, yeah. Stillmatic, Stillmatic resurrected Nas. 
because I'll be honest with you, I had all of Nas's albums and I wasn't going to buy Stillmatic. And then when he dropped Ether, and when I heard Ether was going to be on Stillmatic, I was like, should I get this? Should I get this? And I got it. And then, you know, because on that album, didn't he have one mic? Yes. One mic was on there. And I'm like, okay, I like this too. And there were like a lot of cuts on there, including there was a cut with AZ. Um, mm-hmm. Not not Jay Z uh, listeners. Now, AZ, AZ. No, I know. Yeah. AZ. No, 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 no. I know y'all know. I'm just talking. Oh, I'm talking to. I'm talking to the oh, listeners. Oh, you talk. You talk to the listeners. Yeah. They don't, this was a period. This was like when Triple H was fighting uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's what this was. Jay Z and Nas couldn't even be in the same space. Yes. <laughs> it was such a divide in New York City. It was crazy. And, I was there. It was like you could feel the tension in the rap air. <laughs> it was just like no, no, no. Fuck that. No. Jay Z got him. Saying you had to take over. Yeah, that goddamn door sample. Oh, oh, like what? No, no. And then it was a debate, and then the either the came out, and the super ugly came out, and then it's like, oh, Jay Z went too far. Jay Z lost. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, Jay Z reached and got the brass knuckles uh-huh. and, and punched him in the balls, and he got disqualified. And everybody say Nas won. I still debate the fact yeah. that Super Ugly was so disrespectful that, yeah, that, was it, disrespectful. that was the reason why he lost. Yeah, that that was that was super disrespectful. I mean. That was more disrespectful than LL Cool J's "The Ripper Strikes Back," and man. when he when he I mean he buried cannabis, okay, and he didn't even have to. That was the no, funny thing. Cannabis, bar- cannabis was shoveling the dirt on himself at the time. Yes, when that came out. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like because LL went off on cannabis, and even told Wyclef, "Don't even turn your fucking mic on." And then to come out with uh, LL came out with "Goat," the greatest of all time dissed cannabis again and said i called wyclef we talked and and we both set you up yeah that came out that came out like wyclef came out with a track dude that's what it was that's see again rappers like wrestling it was just like watching a match and they get to a certain level and on the pay-per-view the manager (laughs) turns around and freaking punches them in the nads and you see the the dude flips over like no and they team up like oh i was like oh my god it's hulk hogan it's hulk hogan turns to nwo oh my god <laughs> you know but but still, like but that's that's the that's the whole crazy that's the whole crazy thing about it it's we accept we will accept the bad albums or the incomplete albums from these artists because they are legends. Also because of the fact that we came from an era where, you know, a lot of us were born around the time hip hop started or when it was in its early stages. So so those artists essentially were growing as well. Some were, some weren't. And in amidst the in amidst that growing, they did things or tried things that you play it now, it's like, okay, this isn't permanent. So that's why I kind of understand why Snoop has an inconsistent album record, why Nas has an inconsistent album record. Where, but whereas you listen to somebody like Jay-Z, he did Reasonable Doubt, and then you listen to like the first Def Jam record, and it's like, yeah, it's more mainstreamy, but then he comes back with Volume 2, and it's that balance of Reasonable Doubt and Volume, and volume 1, and then it keeps growing and growing and growing. And I had to talk, and like in people that are listening to this episode, I had to talk with Taylor Pithers and we go in deeper about that, you know, later on. So just, you know, chill out and listen to that later on. But I think there's there's a better acceptance of the fact that these artists don't have have like an inconsistent line of work because the genre of hip hop is still young.
you know what I was just thinking about as you're saying that? Look at how old Snoop and Nas were when they came out with those records as opposed to how old 19. Jay-Z was when, when he came out with Reasonable Doubt. He'd spent all that time uh, under Jazz O, which is where he even got his name from. Yeah. So, like when, when he was their age, he was like a protege of somebody. And toured with Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. He yeah, was, so he, he had the experience. Yeah. So he was he was so he was he came out twenty six when I when I hit twenty six I was like hold up, Jay Z put out his first album, like that's a in a, in rap music that's like like think that's about already this. old in hip hop, yeah like think let's take let's take let's take Little Wayne when he was talking about I'm the greatest rapper alive he was like twenty six, he was on his he was on the Carter three he was getting ready to drop mm-hmm. he was getting ready to come out with his like fourth or fifth album. Think about it. Jay Z came out with his first album, in a in a basically an album that essentially created a subgenre of crack rap. Because before we had people talking about selling drugs, but you never had about somebody talking about like how I don't even like myself or I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Uh, this is what the corners like, and oh now I'm balling out with these cars and women's and stuff. Like that's a whole different mind state, you know. Because even then he was older than Biggie. Biggie was yeah. young as shit when ready to die. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go know the history, like, he, when Biggie got to that high school, like, Jay-Z was on the way out. Mm. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, but see, uh, but that, I mean, that's the thing that I like about hip-hop now is that, well, but granted, you have to be a hell of an entrepreneur to now be older and still have some form of acceptance because I don't know if it was the industry doing this or if it was just the general consensus that thought hip-hop is just a game for youngsters. I remember once Andre 3000 saying, and he's since changed his mind since then, but when he was in the earlier stages of his career saying stuff like, I don't want to rap when I'm in my 30s because I'm, you know, I'm t- you know, that's too old. You shouldn't be rapping when you're over 30. Yeah, he, I remember him saying that. And but now that's changed. His attitude on that has changed, and I'm glad. And I'm glad it has because he's a yeah. very talented artist. The game needs it. We need yeah. the verses. We need them sixteen yeah. bars every two months. Yeah, you know, it's so. like heaven. It's like the heavens opened up, and it was like oh, three stacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's yeah. That's that's and that's what like fascinates me about hip hop. I mean, I, I think the thing that's hurt hip hop. And I'm about to talk about my favorite, my most influential hip-hop group of all time in a moment. But I think the thing that's hurt hip-hop is that now that radio is bad, and I'm not saying it's bad because I'm older. And no, like, it's bad. It's, it's, it's bad, it's bad no, because, it's yeah. you know, because it's just there's no diversity there. It's just homogenization. And, and like a lot of the rap I hear on radio sounds like it's stuff written by fifth graders with, 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 the, same, with the same beat and the same drop. And, and so And there's still talent out there. Okay, there's talent out there. You just got to go look for it. But and that goes back to um, hip hop was territorial, and every single territory had a, had a defined sound, and that's gone. That defined sound is gone now in hip hop, and as far as sorry, mainstream radio hip hop, it's gone. So. I think that hurts music because yeah. Now, I still think it's there though. I still think it's it's still there. Yeah. It's it's in the rhymes. It's, it's in the rhymes. Yeah. It's yeah, I think it's definitely still there. It's just the stuff that that makes it out and is on like the huge top 40 radio is all the same, but like I'm in Atlanta mm-hmm. and Atlanta rap stations are definitely Atlanta rap stations. Okay. All right. And I'm I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because where I'm at, there's no such thing as a local radio station anymore. That, that doesn't exist. Ohio, o- Ohio, uh, Kentucky, 
Indiana, the tri-state area, and like mm-hmm. a lot of other states, that's non-existent. Yeah, yeah I think in the big centers, like the big, like Atlanta is like a touchstone point for like southern rap music. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Little like, John defined the sound, you know, yeah. back in in '99, and and it hasn't it hasn't evolved. It's evolved a little bit, but not really too much from the foundation that he put down. Yeah, so it's like Atlanta, like here. DC is a weird place because we have that whole go-go thing, but like yeah. New York still sounds like New York. Like you listen yeah. to High ninety seven, you be damned if you hear anybody from any place else unless they yeah. really, really, really popular. And I, I don't, I'm just guessing Miami still playing my, the shit that popping in Miami. Houston still playing Houston shit. I'm still be looking for shit from from Houston. I gotta get my spoon and chop somewhere. And you know <laughs> LA, they got they shit. They got they shit. Chicago, you know, they probably banging some stuff we don't even know about. Like, I but bet you Twister still got Bay it from area. <laughs> yeah, Bay, yeah, the Bay. Like, it, it, I just think it's weird places like in the rest of the country that never had super general, super big epicenters of like of rap culture. They probably, they probably don't. They just probably get Nicki Minaj and dance ass all the time. Yeah. Dance, 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 dance. Yeah, because like, if 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 somebody comes up to me and asks me as far as like greatest rappers of all time and most influential and I say mine and they say theirs and their first answer is Flo Rida the conversation's over because I don't need yeah. to talk to you <laughs> I, don't, I really yeah. don't need to talk to you and I'm not trying to be disrespectful but it goes back to the lack of music history because of how bad radio is right now there's no music history and with a music history yeah radio like if a radio says now we're taking you back to the old school they go back 11 years and that's as far as they go back without that music history you i mean you have to go look for the stuff yourself i mean we have the internet we're in the internet era so you should be able to but you know but a lot of people just take what's given to them and just, just say okay this is it I remember, and this isn't like, you know, well, my music was better than than your music, blah, blah, blah. And it's not like that. But I remember being able to go into like a CD store or a record store or even like a department store, a Best Buy. When you went to hip hop in the late 90s, early 2000s, you saw all these acts. And it was seldom, even during the Blunts, Booze, and Broads era, that nobody looked alike. Yeah, everybody started sampling sampling the same things in a certain spot, but nobody looked alike. You circle yeah. you circle to 2010 through two, through 2012 and go to Target and like look at like five or six rappers that are on the shelf. They all got the same look. They look Hipsters. like they, no no they look like wrestlers. They got you know yeah. no shirt on, tats everywhere, braided hair, and, sunglasses and sunglasses. I, I'm like okay. I, you know who's who I listen and I check for stuff and I like I don't listen to samples and whatnot and it doesn't interest me what defines who you are I look at these five covers these these album covers I'm like there's nothing there that define that tells me that you have defined who you are and I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover and it's wrong to do that but because I came you know I you know I've basically been around since the inception of hip-hop Looking at that is a complete waste to me. Listening to that is a complete waste to me because yeah. you know because I know what hip hop once was, what it is, what it can be.
And that, that would lead me to uh, my most influential hip hop group of all time, and it's Public Enemy. And like I love, I knew, I knew you were going to say that. Apocalypse ninety one, the enemy strikes black. That was the first hip hop tape I bought because I used to do. Kids used to do. They listen to Rap City and put the tape deck up to the TV and hit record. Now, that was my mixtape. My mom, oh, yeah. you know, my mom would ask me, you know, where you listening to, and she would like listen to some of the stuff, and like she would grant me the right to say, okay, you, you're a teenager, I respect, you know, if you listen to this, this, that, or there in the third, that's cool, but watch your mouth, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I remember Apocalypse ninety one being the first record I heard, and it blew my mind because you had these hard beats, and you had a social message, mm-hmm. and not only that, but Public Enemy was on the radio. They were the social commentary. They were the quote unquote black CNN of hip hop. Mm-hmm. That's gone. Yeah. It's interesting because even though they weren't the first to have a social message right. in hip hop, they were the first like hip hop activists. Yes. Yes. That is something that's really major. Whether you're listening to Fight the Power or One or One Million Bottle Bags or Nine One One is a joke. Night of the Bass Heads. Yeah, Night of the Living Bass Heads, Black Steel and Hour of Chaos. Everything. They had a social impact on the United States of America. I mean, dude, talk radio stations thought they were a threat. Okay? Hmm. They were public enemy was perceived as a threat to America by a lot of conservative talk radio hosts. And of course they are. Well, yeah, you can, <laughs> that's a that's an entire deeper subject. Yeah, which oh, I, oh yeah. What public enemy was about, but it's like and I think it this also goes back to what we were just talking about with Jay-Z. Think about the age like Chuck D was like I'm too old to be a rapper when when Rick Rubin was trying to get get out on the slide the Def Jam. Yeah. He was 26 years old. Yep. Wow. Yeah, but it, it amazes me. I, I just remember hearing these songs on the radio, and then it'd be followed up by something else, and there was that, one of my favorite words, balance in the, in the world of music. Yeah. I could have a party song come on, followed by a P.E. song, followed by just like a song, you know, another song, followed by something else, and then followed by Tribe Called Quest, and it was mind-blowing to me because you heard all these different things together. It was acceptable. You'll never get that now. That's not oh, no. going to happen in today's radio. No. You know, I'm, and I don't know, I'm not talking about making your own playlist on Spotify. I'm not talking about Pandora. I'm just talking about I turn, I turn on my car and turn on the radio. That shit will never happen again. Ever. Chuck D had one of the strongest, still has one of the strongest oh, yeah. voices in hip hop. To me, he, if like. Instantly in, recognizable. Yes. And that's the other thing, too. Recognizable voices in hip hop today. You play an Ice Cube record, regardless of whether it's old Ice Cube or new Ice Cube, you know that's Ice Cube, okay? You hear Dre, Dr. Dre, you know that's Dre. You hear Eminem, you know that's Eminem, and you know Jay-Z is Jay-Z. If I turn on a Waka Flocka, Ace Hood, um, Wiz Khalifa, or a lot of these new cats, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you are unless you tell me your name 40 times. <laughs> that's funny. And you know Jeezy, though. Yeah, oh, you know that, right? he, yeah. You know, because he's a motivational speaker. You know, he tells me about the trap. <laughs> you know, that's how we out there. You know, we got to get it. Get that money, baby. You know? Yeah, no. That's how we do. Let's get it. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. You know? <laughs> that, we have, we have you now. You know Ross. Yeah. You know Ross, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know Gucci uh, Mane because he needs to blow his nose. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Burr. <laughs> 
See, I can't even do Gucci Man. That's how. That's how <laughs> absurd he is. Yeah, he's he is beyond <laughs> absurd. I remember. There's a lot of cash here. There's this. There's this cat with this little little kid with a high top fade on Young Money Cash Money. I don't even know. I I don't even know what he is. I just know he got a, a dumbass haircut. I don't know if you guys seen him because you know I still watch a a nice little amount of videos every day. You know, yeah. I gotta stay up on things. There's, he wears you know the glasses with you know with no prescriptions in the lenses. You know, <laughs> you know I guess to look cool because you know looking like Peter Parker is cool these days. Uh, yeah. Um, and you know he got his weird little high top and, and yeah I was like I don't. I don't even know what you sound like. It's like anybody on Young Money Cash Money besides Drake, Nicki Minaj don't all sound the same. Yeah. If you notice. Mm. Meek Mill, he was on that that hip hop list too. That that hottest rappers list. I was like, yo, who, do, who how is he hot? No one no one can tell me what Meek Mill sounds like. <laughs> I've heard that, I can't pick him on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that name. I couldn't tell you either. You can't I've you never can't. heard that before. Mm-hmm. Meek Mill, I don't even look him up. He's just he's not that good, you know, yeah. but I like that Tyler the Creator kid though. I could pick him out from something. Yeah, he's about killing something and and raping a carcass or something, but it's gonna sound good. (laughs) Man, I was doing a show in Atlanta, and the venue that uh, we were doing it before doors open, and even a little bit after doors open, they just had Tyler the Creator's album Goblin playing, and it was just the most depressing, like atmosphere i've ever been in in a live music setting wow like that thing there is nothing there is no pleasure to be found in that record you listen to that record when you're like i have to man i don't even know my friends we are in the grunge era of rap music because tickets just rap music this rap is like what clearly 35 years old yes 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 yeah think about rock rock started in the late 50s it's about mm-hmm. eighty-five. This is that weird new wave era. If you, if you, that that's that's what the that's why when people get mad about Crayshon, I don't get mad about Crayshon. That shit's for- like fucking Blondie or some shit. It's not supposed to be taken seriously. It's a bunch of art kids who decide to instead of paint pictures or taking photos and running around the street looking weird, they was like, oh, I'm gonna make a rap record. Yeah, man, coming it's from the project. Bay, I have to admit, I love Crayshon. I don't and hate. I rec- it. I recognize that she is terrible and stands for everything that is terrible, but man, like if you listen to the the like lyrically, she can rhyme when she yeah. really wants to. Yeah. If I had to pick between Krayshawn and Nicki Minaj right now, I'd pick Krayshawn. I'm tell you one yeah. thing though, that beef Gucci is a genius track. If you really break that shit down, that's like a perfect pop record. It really is. Yeah. But I have to admit that beef between Krayshawn and Rick Ross was absolutely stupid. Oh well, of course. It's like Mark Henry beefing with like, like of a, a diva. Like, what are you? Oh. <laughs> Why are you beefing? Like, now, nah, like what? That makes no sense. But there was somebody else talking, talking real yeah. slick, slick about her. Like, like, dude, don't you get it? Like, she directs videos and she hangs out with little B the bass god and <laughs> like. This an art project. Don't you get these kids are making art projects? They like nineteen to twenty two. When I was 22, the kids I knew was making puppets, doing like, um, like outside wrestling and other random shit and painting on signs and shit. Sorry, the kids, it's been 10 years. They're going to go on fucking internet and they're going to make some rap music. And you know what? Bashi, she'll be making a film in five years or some shit. She'll put up a, uh, she probably won't even be a rapper no more. Tyler, oh, yeah. the creator in the old, our future, hell, our future now, that's not even a rap group. That's just a music movement. The internet I will honestly. Sound- I will honestly be surprised if she gets out her first album. 
Yeah, I don't believe she'll have an album. I don't believe White Girl Mob will have an album either. V Nasty oh, or whatever. No. Um, I, 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 I like to call that when you don't have an album, even though you have a ton of hype and you have like a gajillion mixtapes, but you never drop that album, even if you got a record deal, I call that being papoosed. <laughs> mm, you know what though I don't think Papoose yeah. is really making I don't believe he's really getting caked up off because I think some people get caked up off the mixtapes because I remember for a while when Lil Wayne was putting out mixtape after mixtape after mixtape and his albums was boring yeah yo he was caking up because the label was getting none of that money that money was direct to him yeah from the mixtapes but see the thing is yeah. I re- but I remember and and listening to Papoose and Papoose for those that don't know was un, is, is was an underground legend of hip hop. He's had a ton of mixtapes. He's trying to break the record for most mixtapes ever before he signed his label deal. And the label and the label supposedly agreed to that. And um, but I haven't heard near near Papoose since. Um, I haven't heard from Papoose since the Touchard remix and the one song where he rapped on on the bridge from a Joe Thomas track. And that's it. That's all I've heard from Papoose. And I'm just talking about like in the regular world of music, not just the you know underground mixtapes. Yeah. But um, that's and that's what I call being Papoose. It's it's no <laughs> it's no offense to Papoose, brother. I wish you well. And I hope you're doing all right. But the whole mixtape game is is just changed. I mean, and this is from a kid myself, I didn't know what a mixtape was until I was in my 20s because I lived in a state where unless I went to Cleveland or like deep into Cincinnati in one of the like deep record stores that had those mixtapes, I didn't know they existed. My first experience of a mixtape was buying Funkmaster Flex Volume 1. Yeah. And then when listening to it, I'm like, how come they keep cutting all the songs? And then I I realized, oh, this is a mixtape. I get it now. I get it. I got it. And then I'm able to like visit other states. I'm able to go go to uh, New York City one day and stop by this place that was selling like, you know, bootleg mixtapes. And I get the best of Notorious B.I.G. hosted by Mr. C. And then like I hear these biggie tracks I've never heard before. And I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. Oh, my God. You know, it's mind blowing to me. Sorry, it's a side tangent. I didn't. Like, nah, it's that's all uh, about the same thing. Oh, that shit is important. Oh man, so like, I, oh sorry, All Star Game is distracting me. I saw some scared <laughs> ass on the screen, and uh, but yeah, mixtape mixtape changed everything back in like what two thousand. Yeah, like, yeah. the mixtape uh, changed everything. For for me, my my first mixtape and the one that changed my life and made me realize hip hop could be something other than what I was being told was hip hop was Lyricist Lounge when that oh, record oh, first yeah, came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh man, like you can you can do that with words. Yeah, like that that was that record for me. And then I found like you know the beat junkies when they were putting out records, and and you know I went back and found sound bombing one and two. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember the that, first time I heard Eminem was on um was on a mixtape. Oh man, and the sway the sway and King Tech uh wake up show freestyles. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Man, I, I heard Eminem on that and man, on I think it was volume four was the first time he was on and good lord. I heard Motion Man on there. Man, I I think even this is sad. The first time I heard Common, I think was on a, a wake up show freestyles. Wow. <laughs> There's nothing bad about that. Everybody was that, lucky to hear when he came out. That's crazy. I remember like I remember the first time I heard Common, he was common sense and he yes. had, and, he, and he had it was on the Can I Get a Dollar album and oh, man. and it yeah. had that in the sample and the sample from the song was uh 
you know, the booming in your booming in your booming in your Jeep. And then like, um, and then he flipped to like a grand Puba sample. It's like, play it in stereo when you bump it in your trunk. I remember that like that was yesterday. And like looking at that common, common, you know, common sense through common to, you know, universal mind control common, which I don't care what anybody says. I know that's his mainstream album, but I fucking love it anyway. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. I, I know, I know it's not his greatest album, but there's just those things that I just enjoy. And I think it was the visual meta, the visual metaphor for universal mind control, the video, Directed by Hype Williams, and it's got yeah. Fr- this current era of hype is not is yeah. no. It's it's not it's not the same as old school. You know, Bad Boy Records, Hype Williams videos. Nowhere close. Nowhere close. Let's be real on that. But you have Pharrell with like the robot head, and and Pharrell Williams is with the robot head, and you got Common. He's got the scientist glasses on. Parts of the song he would pose and like form the letter C with his hand. Just silly shit. I love that album, and it's not Common's greatest work, but for fun. I'm, I'm, I'm all down with it. I've lost. I'm at a loss for words right now. We have talked about so much stuff. Hip, it's not even hip hop no more. Yeah, it's when just. When I was on the strip this past Thursday, we're in the rap era. It's done. Hip hop might actually, and people may not disagree with this. It might actually be dead. To a certain degree because what we're hearing right now is just straight rap music yeah it's not there's little pockets of people b-boying you can even say dj turntablism is now its own thing that's electronic oh, yeah. music yeah, yeah. djs are, are like, no longer hip-hop artists they're yeah. djs they're, yeah they're, that's electronic music and djs they control the party and graffiti is graffiti is now its own separate thing it may be part of hip-hop but no when you got people making like six figures over paintings, that's their own shit. Yeah. Like, right now, this is rap music. We're talking about what we what we hear the last four or five years is rap music. It's not hip hop at all. But but they're it, rappers. They're not even MCs. They're rappers. But all those things that you just said were derived from hip hop. Yeah. And 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 how many how many things can you say as far as a form of entertainment? that have spawned so many other things that make people money that don't even like the shit. Yeah. It's, it's because, generally speaking, it was a culture first. It was a culture. It started as a culture. And then, and then like, you know, yeah, the music part of it became a marketable property. You know, we, we, we're at where we're at with it. But, yo, I, I just take it for what it is right now. If it's hot, it's hot. You know, I meet somebody, you know, I meet somebody who's younger than me. They tell me, oh, you listen to this? And it's like, yeah, okay, I'll check that out. You know, I say, I say up on the new stuff, real talk, just for when I'm talking to girls. Mm. That's about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to nothing but from stuff from like 90, 90 to like 96 all day. Yeah. I don't listen to new stuff just to be on, be current. If Notorious B.I.G. and Big Pun are still alive, does Rick Ross even exist? No, no. It's 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 it's, it's no. Well, Big Pun maybe Biggie no. Because first of all, we would have had the commission album with him and Jay Z and like 
Foxy and like Lil' Kim or whatever, and that shit would have broke all of our brains. And <laughs> because we only got two tracks with them together, and like they were incredible. Yeah. And oh my god! First of all, the Jay Z career would be totally different. He might not actually be the top dude. Yeah. Cause yeah. If, because I've always I've been saying this for a while now you look at Biggie and Jay-Z it's like yeah. the mythical version of Caesar and Mark Anthony Jay-Z is Mark Anthony he yeah. does not become yeah. the leader of the, of the Roman Empire unless Caesar falls yeah who who was the first hip-hop artist to wear a suit oh a suit ooh um, was that Big Daddy Kane yeah it was Kane okay Kane yeah Kane yeah. Kane Kane is like the progenitor of like mad dudes and he's like the father of Brooklyn rap if you look at Brooklyn rappers yo they generally are probably the best rappers mm-hmm. pound for pound and, yeah. the, and the whole thing about it is is that people fail to realize how much of a foundation Big Daddy Kane laid down for hip hop and for like as far as like you know male solo artists and how many people bit his stuff bit you know bit his work because he was always ahead of the curve he was doing things that like other artists weren't doing yet and like a lot of people kind of accepted but didn't accept but because he sold and at that time by selling I mean like going gold that you know that was major so you couldn't disrespect him but he was still doing things that were ahead of his time because the whole thing is is that let's say Big Daddy Kane came out around the time Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt came out. Let's say Big Daddy Kane comes out at that era. Big Daddy Kane would probably be the biggest rapper ever because he did things back in the 80s and early 90s that, like I said, no one was ready for yet. You know yeah. what I mean? I like because like let's let's be real. He was that dude. He had his backup dancers. He did like the R and B type cuts. He did the straight up hip hop cuts. His flow was ridiculous. It still is. Yeah. It still is ridiculous. Go back and listen to some of his old material, and he's got some new material coming out soon. And it's just his flow is just sick. Yeah. And so many people stole from that and are eating off of that. And I'm like, you need to cut Big Daddy Kane a check. <laughs> you need to cut him a yeah. check. Oh, what what magazine was he in that he posed for? Was it um Playgirl? Yeah, he he posed for Playgirl. Hip hop artist. That was ahead of his time. Head of his, ahead time. of his time. Yeah, folks thought he was, he was in crazy. The sex book with Madonna. That was too, that was ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he like, he did stuff that you know. Yeah, where, you're right, Julian. Way ahead of way ahead of his time. Way ahead. Like Kane is probably the only cat you could put up there with Rakim and, and say that you can you can have this argument about the equal equal equality of rhymes, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Like Kane, oh, Kane, yo, it was like his, his stuff. Like R A, come on, R A W. Like what? It's just warming up, Kane. You put that on, like <laughs> he's crushing. Yeah, he's crushing you, man. You mean let me put your little record on? You, you mean? And and even his R and B lovey dovey stuff is still hotter than some of the like quote unquote R and B hip hop acts that are out right now. And oh, let's, let's let's be real. There's, yeah, there's, I guess yeah, you can't. You have to call them R and B, don't you? Like, yeah, that's, let's not even talk about the state of R and B. No, no, like, no. We're, 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 we're not. We're not going there. We're not going there because I will get on my soapbox <laughs> talking about the state of R and B right now. I'm. I only thing I will say is I'm thoroughly disappointed. Yes, that, that's, I'm disgust. I'm disgusted. Yes, I will. Because that. that now we're 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 up to the point now. Is like yeah, the best R and B album came out from from Adele. The second one was Beyonce, and that's it. Yeah, but um, that's a whole different say. Oh, but yeah. it connects together. That Andre 2000 verse on that party out record on Beyonce's album is impeccable, and you can just listen to it over and over again. Yes, and it makes you just miss Outkast even more. Yes, Andre 3000 has never done a bad rap. I'm just gonna put no, that out there. I, I never, guess. like even artists that like I can't stand 
Like he'd do a guest appearance. I'm like, I got to get this single. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Come on, walk it out. When everybody found out he was on the walk it out remix, it was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Why is he? That artist is terrible. But oh my God, that verse. Oh, you just kind of, you get reclaimed. You become like a. <laughs> you're like, oh, oh my God. I the the song and the singing and the rapping is what I'm gonna do. And then he's just he just does that. Like he did a joint with Kesha. I'm like, I fucking hate Kesha. <laughs> I gotta have this song because that's the only way I won't get these 16 bars. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, bitterness. It's, you're like, it leaves you with this bitter feeling in your heart. Like, I'm not supposed to own this, but damn it, 3,000, I got to get it. <laughs> I, I got, I, I got stacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I just know it's, it, he amazes me. Uh, and he, he, I mean, he never, to me, he never fails. He never, ever fails because, like, his weakest rhymes still top some artists' best, you know, some artists' like best albums. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, it's it's just ridiculous to me the amount of talent that man has as a whole. It's just uh, utterly amazed. This has been a hell of a conversation. Um, yeah, this has been amazing. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly at a loss for words right now. Like, I literally just want to pop open my iTunes and just start listening to like <laughs> my, my whole tribe run, and <laughs> and and see because like watch that documentary. You gotta watch that documentary. Yeah, tribe called Question. I, I know, man. Oh man, that thing was so dope. Yo, I got I a saw it twice. I got a stack of Blu-rays I ain't watched yet, and it's in that stack. And it's because like I want to dedicate time to it. I don't want to like watch thirty minutes. Like, oh, I gotta go. I have to set out a block of two hours to not yeah. be to not to not be bothered to not have a phone call. To I mean nothing. I mean like there has to be a tornado coming to my house. To interrupt what I'm doing because I want to watch that in peace. Yeah, it was so good. Like I, I saw it for screening. Like you know, because you know I don't like paying. Cause I don't be paying for movies. But then I actually <laughs> went out and saw it. Like and paid money to watch it again with my friends. Which is like we talked about rap music for like an hour. We talked yeah. about hip hop for like an hour after it. There, there, yeah. there were so many great things about the you know the tri- tribe called Quest, De La Soul, in, in that era of hip hop and. The- Oh man, native tongues. Yeah, the you know the native tongues of Jungle Brothers. Yeah, you know. Man, did you know all those dudes went to the same high school? Say what? That was crazy. The like, yeah, in, like in the documentary, yeah. it talks about how like the uh, Jungle Brothers, Tribe Called Quest. Uh, you know, I maybe even De La Soul were all at the same high school, and they all came up together. Yeah, and like just, like yeah. uh, one of the dudes in Jungle Brothers was Red Alert's like nephew or something. Yeah, yeah. and that's how they all got put on. Yeah. That is the craziest thing I've ever yeah, heard in my entire alert. life. Insane. Threat alert. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but the, the, another crazy thing is that Biggie, Jay Z, and Busta Rhymes all went to the same high school. Yeah. And they all knew each other because mm. it was all like a little bit apart. Like Busta, Busta, Jay Z, like close to the same age. Wow. It's, that's just when you think about it, it's like that's bananas. Speaking of Busta Rhymes, that's a dude that's really hopped on a bunch of different labels. As of late, and I think he now he has his own label now. No, he's on Young Money Cash Money. He is the he's the senior citizen on Young Money Cash Money. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, it hurts. It hurts your heart when that shit came out. It's just like the kids is pretty cool because he had that little hot track with fucking um with Chris Brown, the you know the woman beater, and Fuck Chris Brown. Exactly. Throw that out there. Exactly. exactly. I want to team up with Sam Punk and go beat him down. Yeah. But yes. um, 
Yeah, that track with, with that with Chris Brown, which they ain't gonna lie, it was like, oh my god, I'm hearing Bustin' Rhymes rap fast again, like it's 1992 or some shit, oh, and you know it gets you excited. But then like, I guess he was in like label limbo, and well, he signed a cat, he's going to the Young Money Cash Money. I'm like, yo, this doesn't make sense. This is terrible. That's like, like that's like Dominique Wilkins signing with the Boston Celtics. It made <laughs> no fucking sense at all. None. Sorry, I had to throw that sports analogy out there. <laughs> that works because it's like, yeah. it's like, dude, you're old enough to be half of the label's fathers, like half of the yeah. label have to be their daddy. The dude flipped from Elektra. He had four albums with Elektra, two albums with J Records, one album with Aftermath. Then hopped on. Then he did. A, then he was supposed to do an album on Universal, which didn't get released, and then got released, I think, as a mixtape. Then signed with Universal Mo. Then was on Motown and dropped back on my BS in 2009. Wow! And now he's on Young Money. You know what though, Buster Rhymes. I think more than anybody else has found a way to stay relevant in every single age of hip hop. Yeah, I, I can see. Yes, I can see that. Yes. Weirdly, yeah, he's one. He's but because, yo, he's probably the best anchor rapper ever. Yeah. 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 You start with scenario. I mean, like you know, you you can't talk about scenario without talking about Buster Rhymes at the end. Yeah. Hey, yo, once you watch that documentary, see that's gonna change your whole outlook on that shit too. Really? Yeah. Oh my. Because they go, they Damn, yeah. Man. Oh, it's just that. Yeah, you and have and to and watch that. This would be a different conversation if you if you had seen that that movie. Oh my. Okay, I'm yeah. But it's it's yeah, yeah Buster. It's oh, Buster. It hurts my heart because like Buster Rhymes deserves better. Buster Rhymes deserves better. Yeah, see, now I'm, I'm hurting. I, I, I gotta, I gotta watch this documentary. Just, just thinking about that, and that's a whole other thing too. Going like with hip hop. Remember when Hollywood really started to notice hip hop, and we got all those documentaries, Rhyme and Reason, and in the show, and the show, yeah. <laughs> Yo, the show because you got Diddy up there, the suit with Biggie in the suit was like. I was some, and then you get to see the first time you got to see like Wu Tang, Wu Tang, yeah. And you saw how they was beefing with Method Man because Method Man kind of blew up first, yeah. Because it was funny because he was the youngest cat, and it's just like, come on, the ladies just like him. It was just like it wasn't even his fault. He had the easiest rhymes. He was a good rhymes, but he was the, like the easiest rhymes to follow. Mass Killer was in jail. You know what I'm saying? Like UConn really wasn't that good back then. Deck was dope, <laughs> but Deck it was like Deck was Deck. He was just like he was dead. Riz is the leader. Jizz is the grown man. And if you're going to pick, if Dirty's the wild card, you got Method Man left and fucking Raekwon and Ghost ain't blow up yet as like the poet laureates of, of, of crime. Yeah. So Ghostface was, didn't really blow up until he took Raekwon style. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Mm. It was, yeah, because it's, it's true. It's kind of like they became this weird collaborative effort of like, yeah, of being almost the two sides of the same thing. Exactly. And they, they both do now, they both do the same sort of nonsense rap where it's hard to follow what they're talking about, but it sounds amazing. It's amazing. It's almost like you have to listen to Ghostface and Raekwon is like being a 35 year old man that reads DC Comics. <laughs> you have to know the history like you have to listen to only built the few Cuban links yeah. you have to listen to Iron Man you have to listen to Supreme Climatel you have to listen to Pretty Tony you have to listen to all them shits first and all the Wu-Tang records like you gotta listen to I can't go to sleep you gotta go through all that then you can listen to only built for Cuban links too like you don't even understand how they talking about 
a kilo is a unit of measure. You like you don't even you don't even understand what they're talking about right there. You don't you don't understand what a fish scale is. You know you you don't know nothing. You don't know the Barry Allen can vibrate his molecules. Like, <laughs> the monitor and Wally West took over and he he got to eat too much and then he had two kids. Like you you got to know the history before you can listen to Ghostface killing Raekwon now. Like you can't come in blind. Like you gonna understand what all these. These, these 30 plus people are talking about like yo that's the hottest shit out in like 10 years saying <laughs> they gonna look at you you like well I don't understand you I, don't understand because you don't know nothing about crime son. you don't know nothing about this rap I rem- rap music I remember being at a comic book store the and like it was a week after it's probably a week after the special delivery remix video came out oh good lord listen oh my god and, I was- and like I was the only bro I was the only brother in the comic book store okay the only brother in the comic store which was normal for this comic book store I went to yeah and it's normal for most comic book stores, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Unless you're in New York City, uh, yeah, Calif- maybe some places in California, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, de- definitely, definitely. But I remember walking in, and there was this kid that was kind of a hip hop head, kind of. It's like he, you know, he liked the music, but he wouldn't fully embrace it. And he was talking to the register. He was talking to the guy running the register. He's like, "Yeah, I saw this video." And the guy running the register knows nothing about hip hop, so why he's talking to him, I don't know. <laughs> but he was talking about the special delivery video, and he said that he's like this guy by the name of Ghostface, and he was talking, and he said like he had this Wonder Woman arm. He's like, "What the hell is that all about?" I walked up to him, and I'm like, "I'm like, Sean, don't be that guy right now. But you're gonna have to be that guy right now. <laughs> Fuck it." I was like, "Dude." Wonder Woman arm. How long have you been reading comic books? He's like fifteen years. I was like, how many how many comic books have you read where or, or seen covers where Wonder Woman had her arm out on her band? A eagle was on her arm. He was like, I've seen a few. Put that, translate that in your head. Think about it. Now, when Ghostface says Wonder Woman arm, and you saw the video, and what did he have on his arm when he said it? He said, Oh, he had a bracelet with an eagle on it. and he really owns that thing too because i saw him perform at my at my my college uh homecoming one year he performed at morehouse college and he wore that thing on stage and and did an entire set with the wonder woman arm it was fantastic the medusa head chain the medusa plate and the bathrobe is one of the most toughest Hip hop outfits in all of <laughs> yeah. history. Julian, bathrobe. Julian, if if we ever like blow up on the comic circuit and we have to go to San Diego and we have to do a panel, we got to come out in in house coats, <laughs> wrestling oh, you don't re- wrestling I, championship I, belts. Oh, and, and theme you have music. No idea. Yeah, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship around my waist. <laughs> uh, officially <laughs> real. Nature Boy Ric Flair robe, my chain of Ric Flair ni- circa 1985 with the flip hairdo and the aviator sunglasses, and it would say, woo! It would have a sound chip. It would randomly say, woo! You know what I'm saying? And my perfectly made fitted and my my dead stock Jordan 3s. Not no remake shits that you got these kids getting. I won't find some shits from like 19... In the 88, 89, and rock them joints. That's my outfit. That's what I'm killing San Diego Comic Con on a regular basis. <laughs> we going to scare people. It's going to be awesome. Now, I'm going to bring in a whole new audience at Comic Con. They ain't going to be ready. Yeah. 
and I know some listeners are listening to this, and like for them, they've heard spots where we've talked about hip hop and spots where, you know, I've talked about music on this podcast. But the reason why this episode encompasses just hip hop in general is because, like I said, this podcast was never just one thing. It's not just comic books. It's not. It's not just movies. It's not just. You know, it's it's not just one thing. It's pop culture, and I'm going to talk about things that help inspire me and that have helped me over the years. And one of those things is hip hop, and it's something that, like, yeah, hip hop has got its issues just like any other form of music. Okay, but I will never turn my I will never turn my head or my back on it. You know what I mean? I, I won't. I will. I will point out when I see problems. So yeah, you, you know, yeah. I will point out when I see problems. Gucci Mane. Um, you know, it's Gucci time. I still don't. I don't understand. It's like, like you said, with Little Webby when he came out. I'm like, who, who, who is listening to this? Why is this acceptable? Yo, you mean, you mean Young Unibrow? Oh. Yo, yo, that's hilarious. <laughs> but yo, Wipe Me Down might be one of my favorite songs from like that weird was it 2004 2006 period yo you start playing white me down i was like you know what i'm saying <laughs> head shoulders pants shoes head like 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 i gotta find a way to put that in the comic book this is probably why i'm not <laughs> in the comic book business because i would have a random panel and i'll probably have kid flash be like head shoulders pants <laughs> shoes. And even though what's going on like why is kid flash doing that be like white me down like what is i don't understand <laughs> like that's what i'm talking about like like it's just that song is is fun like but he's terrible they had what's what's that one guy who was always spilling out all his rhymes he'd be like a b c d e f g and like what the fuck is going on and why the hell are you this dj Khaled record <sighs> oh damn and then i got screwed and chopped and it changed oh it was like changing my whole my whole fall time i was going i was walking around origins that's a gaming convention <laughs> for for the comic book fans and for the other nerds who know what that is yeah i was walking around origins bunch of larpers and <laughs> banging freaking drake and rick ross and wayne just like oh yeah we all was like oh move out my way you dragon oh man i'm geeking out right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they go to work to go run some hero clicks games. I'm fucking listening to like the most gutted shit ever. You know, <laughs> but, that's funny that you mentioned hero clicks because I'm looking at my devil dinosaur hero click on my table right now. Dude, this is like you, my prized possession. Dude, that you have no idea how deep with the hero clicks I am. Like, oh, I'm, I'm deep into it. Like, like it's this. I'm so deep. This stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, I'm deep. I'm in the. I'm I'm serious into it. But I have too many hero clicks. But yeah, I, yeah, that's another thing. I I I play hero clicks. Like I'll be listening to rap music. I'll be like, oh, be just dropping out random lyrics. I'll be like, they don't understand what I'm talking about. If I play Iron Man, I'd be like, yo, rap is like CD. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that's what my greatest my greatest events in Marvel's Capcom was. Y'all was like, yo. Real talk. We got the Japanese copy. I was like, yo, for real, son. If that joint got Iron Man and War Machine and Dr. Doom, that Supreme Clientele, I'm calling that team right now. We got the Japanese save data a week later. I'm saying this is like in March of 2000. This is before This is before all them Justin Long cast or Diago. This is before everybody knew anything. This is before Pringles. This is before motherfuckers saying it's Marvel, baby. This is before motherfuckers talking about Haagen-Dazs. This is before all that. I was like, yo. Supreme clientele, and I bought that shit out, and I was fucking niggas up for three months. 
Because <laughs> that's with him. It was like, yo, I'm going to spit. I bring out Iron Man. I'm spitting out nothing but Ghostface lyrics. I bring out War Machine, nothing but Raekwon lyrics. And I bust out Dr. Doom, nothing but Capadonna. I'm spitting Winter Wars all the time. 917. <laughs> <laughs> I was just beasting. Then I had to do class and I had to put that joint on the. I had to put that joint down, you know. Oh, like, I used to play that game, and I played them three just nothing but forget Apollo Kids, you know. Oh, they see real TV, the guys build, and I hit you with the with the proton cannon, and just be like, oh, oh, oh. like yeah. So that that Dude, I'm right. I I almost flunked out of college because of Tekken. <laughs> wow. Tech, Tekken three. Tekken three. I had, was uh, so oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like I would not. I would choose not to go to class because I hadn't. I hadn't even the the ratio with the uh, with my roommate. Mm. Oh yeah, yo, there was a lot of nights just sitting up in the middle of the common room. I still got my memory card. Thousands of fights. It's saved on that memory card. The, the data. You be looking at the the little bar graph. Yeah. And, you know, most probably just when he was like, you know, oh, uh, Huang was only used fifty times. Like, no, Huang was used over like eight hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Oh, he actually got like 600 uses. Just like, yeah, yeah, we kind of went in. It was a lot of, yo, there was a lot of times I should have been in class. I should have been doing some stuff. I, I got some not good grades on my freshman year because of <laughs> yeah. a game Marvel Schools from Capcom. Oh, Street man. Street Fighter Alpha 3 and Tekken 3. Yep. Ruined, ruined my, like, the PlayStation was, what was where yeah. it's at. The PlayStation. I had to change majors because of Tekken 3. Yo, that mm. was it. Was oh, I was like, I believe you because yo, Tekken three. Yeah, that's another thing people don't understand. Yo, rap music, fighting games, and arcades go together. Yes, like absolutely. like like spades. Uh, Frankie Beverly and Maze and Black Pick people cookouts in the summertime. <laughs> it's, it's it's like yo, you go to the arcade. You had to be the, you could be at a random Chinese food spot in the middle of the night. You could be at a Pizza Hut. You could be at a Fud Records, and yo, you might hear somebody blasting some Biggie, and he's like, yo, yo, I'll get you, yo, yo, let me get Guile, son. I'm gonna fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> flash kick you to death. Yeah, it's like yeah, you know, talking all that bullshit. You know, put your quarter up. Wow, well, he's just. Rap music and fighting games is just like the perfect. That's why like Alpha Street Fighter Three Third Strike was the best soundtrack because it was just like mad rapping and for no reason. It's like, like oh yeah. shit, it's like it's rapping in this. It's like oh I'm about to beat somebody's ass. <laughs> oh no, and it's, it's the same way with uh, when, you know for gaming consoles for for EA. EA Sports got smart. They knew hip hop. Oh, yeah. They knew yeah. hip hop was where it was at. And so I remember buying a copy of Madden. I hear like Ludacris, and like I yep. hear like yeah. you know I hear Killer Killer Mike for the first time. Yeah, you remember AC Alone was yeah. on like NBA yeah. Live, and and Lyrics yeah. Born yeah. was on there too. Even uh, not to cut you off, Julian, but even like when uh, Microsoft for th- for the Xbox 360 did their own football game, NFL Fever, and they was like, "Yo, go get Nerd, go get Nerd, and um, take one of these songs, and that's the lead track for the album for, for for the for the game." That blew me away. I'm like, I you know I had no idea these companies like embraced hip-hop that much and i mean well, e- ea it makes sense because come on like let's 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 be realistic yo there's a certain before motherfuckers is talking about gears of war and call of duty modern warfare there was one staple that made the most money it was john man football i remember yep. growing up this is the only shit black people played street yeah. fighter slash tekken madden and nba live 
that's all people hate. Are you going to your house like, oh, you got that live son? Yeah, let's get it on. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna beat you with the motherfucking paces. Or, oh, you got mad? You ain't trying to see me with my four three defense. My four three defense is gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna get you with that shotgun. Me, Steve Young, Jay Rice, and it, that was all. That's all people play. It's like the Biggie video. People playing Super Nintendo, playing fighting games of Madden. That was it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, you ain't lying, man. And and that's and that's what I mean. I mean, hip hop is all encompassing, and it touches everything. But when you when you mentioned uh, that uh, Busta Rhymes signed with Young Money, Cash Money, mm. you do know that Cash Money just signed Limp Biscuit, right? What? Oh, no, is that didn't. why everybody on Twitter was talking about uh, Young Cash Money was signed like a dog or something? Because <laughs> I was looking at Twitter, I was like, why are people making all these random? Young money, cash money jokes. Uh, I don't get it. It's like, y'all, somebody random must have got signed, and you just told us. Okay. Yeah. That's oh, kind of depressing. They they inked a deal with Cash Money Records. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. Also, hmm. they uh, recently signed uh, Christina Milian to a, to a deal, too. It's, it's so sad, because she actually has talent. Yes. And she can write some good tracks, you know what I'm saying? She wrote some of them them big tracks for Jennifer Lopez back in the day. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the dream kind of did her dirty. Because, like, if you're going to cheat on your fine-ass wife, you better get somebody that's equal to par. You know what I'm saying? You never go you never go over par. You never... Nah, you ne- you don't freaking Tiger Woods this shit. You need to... <laughs> you got Christina Milian, you better get Rihanna or something. You need to upgrade. But no, these... I look at the, the I looked at, I look at artists the dream slash producer the dream like this, his it, like I compare his mind state to cheating, as is his mind state to hit to music whether he wrote the song or made the song it is temporary because I'm sorry three years from now unless he comes out with another album which will be forgettable no one will remember who he is to this day he does not he does not have one song that defines who he is and that's the biggest problem with R&B music as as he well no no that's that's I I give that to you he doesn't have a song for himself that defines who he is Mm -hmm. but I would say that single ladies defines his entire career oh he wrote that Yes. Okay. Uh, well, see that that I'm talking yeah, producer wise, that's fine, whatever. But I'm talking about as an artist, don't oh, me, as an artist, means no, he's nothing. Not he's a uh, he got. I, yeah, uh, I have to admit, I have no idea who you guys are talking about right now. He Dream is probably one of the biggest and most important songwriters for female for female R&B acts. <laughs> Besides Neo, he yeah, like he like a few years ago, he, he was the artist that did that song called "Shorty Is the Shit" or "Shorty Is the Shit," that constantly got played over and over and over and over again. It's probably like two thousand five, and he's cut albums on Def Jam every every few years. But like like Julian said, he's more known for for writing for writing Umbrella. songs for ladies. Yeah, he wrote. Yeah, he Umbrella. Wrote. He he co he co wrote single ladies. He co wrote a lot of big hits. I, him and Neo co-wrote a lot of big hits for Rihanna mm-hmm. and Mary J. Blige, Beyonce, whole bunch of shit. And the thing is, I don't really get mad at Neo because the only thing Neo is doing is just trying to channel Michael Jackson, and I, I and I just accept yeah. it. I, and, and like it doesn't bother me, okay? Because Libra Scale is a Michael Jackson album. I'll be the first to tell you that, and I'll stick to that. I've listened to that whole thing. It's a Michael Jackson record, and I think that's why I accept it so much because Michael Jackson is dead. So, yeah. I, and I just accept yeah. it, and regardless of whether it's good or not. I just accept it. But the Christina, the Christina Milian thing, you know what hurt her? 
the fact that when she tried to come out, Maya existed and Maya was popular. That was her problem. It's funny because they're both from this area. They're both from the Mid Atlantic area. Wow! Like Maya went to like my all my like closest friends like high school. Like his brother was brother. It's funny. Like she blew up from there and, and like Christina Milian for like Waldorf, Maryland. Mm, that is. And I was like, damn! I wish I could have known her back in the day. <laughs> Surely got spit at. But um, yeah. Like it was like. Yeah, like it, that did hurt, but she she made some. I I I don't know. I just think the label the label kind of messed her up. Like, yeah, but the dream, yeah, he had some little random songs. He had yeah, show these the shit. I love your girl, uh, falsetto. Falsetto was kind of terrible, but it got mad play. <laughs> it got mad play on the radio. But it, yeah, but he could rock. Yeah, he made his terrible song "Walking on the Moon." Mm-hmm. Sweat it out. I ain't gonna lie. Little sweat it out, sweat it out, sweat it out. That joint got a little play after you know what I'm saying back in the day. But you know, all these cats is basically trying to be like R. Kelly, and ain't got R. Kelly's talent. Don't get me started on that. Don't. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that's the yeah. title of the thing. But yeah. early today, I heard this new rap song that I I fucked with hard. Hey, sorry, audience. You're going to hear more cursing now. Let's be talking about rap. <laughs> Yo, it's this joint called Shot Caller. It's the remix from this dude, French Montana, which I haven't liked. But the remix, it is a bad boy remix. It got puffy on my This is the remix. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. We got Puff Daddy on the record. This ain't Diddy. This is Puffy. And it got Rick Ross. So it's essentially like, it's like a weird version of like Bizarro 1995 record because the song is high. It got a sick, because I bet you the song, the regular song, don't even sound nothing like it. Yeah. But it got the ill little Spanish horn and be like, La Musica, blah, blah, blah. And it'd be like playing them like, oh, it's like, oh. And then Fresh Montana, you know, they're talking about, you know, basically, girl, I can make you the shit because you know I'm a shot caller but it's like Puffy is like you know he get all his ab libs in the video got nothing but some rock bottles all over the place and you know Rick Ross is like uh. and I was like <laughs> I tried to jack that shit for my usual blogs it's like look I have this shit it's got the video I had to pay this motherfucker a dollar thirty cent for iTunes because I had to have this shit so, you listen to this joint, he's like, yo, what is you listening to when he's making ants or whatever the heck? Yo, you go listen to this Shot Caller remix and you got here Puffy talking about, take that, take that. You know what I'm saying? Just And then you can't stop, won't stop. This is the remix. And somewhere in my career, I got to meet Puffy. I got to team up with Puffy and I got to have him say, this is the remix on something that I do in my life or it's not going <laughs> to Julian, do you have anything that you want to pimp or solicit to the people? Ants, Tuesday and Thursday, ants.julianlyle.com. You follow me on Twitter. My last name is L-Y-T-L-E. Don't be friending me on Facebook because if I don't really know you, and this may sound crass as hell, but if you ain't cute, I'm not going <laughs> to randomly upset your friend request. And you actually be cute. But if I don't know who you are, I might think you spam. You try to get my password. <laughs> so um, just the Facebook thing, I, there's some pages out there you can like or something. You know, there's an ants page and stuff like that. And hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll podcast again because I've been too busy. But that's about it. You know, I'm just that's all I really got right now, you know. All right, cool. And uh, and Niles, a.k.a. Tribe One, uh, is there anything that you want to tell the people about? 
catch me on Twitter, Tribe11, T-R-I-B-E-O-N-E-W-O-N. Uh, catch me on Tribe1.net. My my main homie, Adam Warrock. Uh, check out AdamWarrock.com. I'm on a bunch of his stuff. Yeah, just uh, good raps. Listen to them. Oh, Cunning Linguist. Those guys are dope from Kentucky. This is the remix. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also Rusty Shackles does uh does all the the poster and, and album work for shows. If you're in Atlanta or the or the Carolinas, I'm performing consistently. So come check me out. Nice. I know Rusty. I met Rusty at Derby City Comic Con last yeah, year. Yeah, Rusty's a good dude. And like Rusty and I are like collaborating on work for, on some cover work for Action Lab Entertainment. So uh, yeah, yeah, man, he's real good people. Very very good people. Well, listen. Thanks again for like being part of this hip hop recording. The uh, PKD Hip Hop Summit Part One <laughs> is now officially in the books, and uh, I want to thank you, two gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our forum, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment, or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. Before you hopped on, Julian, I was talking to Niles about a talk that I had with Taylor Pithers earlier this morning. Yeah, I wish I could have talked to him, man. My busy schedule messed that all up. Yo, listen, we was talking just like just about hip hop, not not the topic that we're going to talk about, but we were talking about how hip hop. Um, used to be like wrestling back in the eighties and early yeah. and early nineties. How it used to be territorial. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, still, well, rap music is still like wrestling. Well, no, so we just in the attitude era, right? But see, but the thing is, is that the difference is though, you had a gajillion labels, all oh, and, and all of them were, were pretty much independent. Yeah, but they got they got bought out and they merged into to. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I'm telling you, if yeah. you look at wrestling, you look at rap music right now. Yeah, it's like the same thing. It is. That is true. <laughs> that is true. It's like it's kind. It's kind of. It's it's scary, but it's interesting. But it's scary at the same time. I remember, and like, if I'm wrong, correct me on this. But I remember there was a time like around 2001 or where Def Jam, before they just literally just just became a music label, not a hip hop label. Mm-hmm. They were buying up acts everywhere. I mean, because like all the other hip hop, um, hip hop labels were either being bought out or they folded. You know, Suave House folded. Um, yep. And yep. like you know, Rap a Lot was still around, but they were only putting out stuff every now and then because Scarface was on Def Jam South. Yep. Um, you know, oh, yeah. pr- priority went away for a while until Snoop brought it back a couple years ago, and like all these labels just started disappearing. But then I see Def Jam come out with like. You know, WC, Ghetto Heisman. I see Def Jam come out with a Keith Murray album. I see Def Jam, come, <laughs> you know, I see Def Jam. He was on Def Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Sir Man, Red Man. So they fold him, put him out with a giant. Yeah. And yeah. Was, was that, that was Enigma, wasn't it? No, uh, no. Enigma was was a jive record. He had, okay. he had like uh, this first album, then he had Enigma, which was the second album, which I thought was going to be the shit, and it's really only three tracks deep. <laughs> and then he dropped, um, 
Oh, well, I think the third album was called It's a Beautiful Thing because that had Incredible with him and L. Yeah, cool J on right. it. That's right. That's right. Oh, God, I love that beat on that track. And like the video, they was like, uh, you know, Batman and him and uh, Redman were Batman and Robin and LL was uh, like uh, a Batman villain. Yeah, I barely remember that, but I, yeah, that sounds crazy. Was that the hype direct that? Um, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I can't. I cannot remember who directed that. But then he did those three albums. They dropped the greatest hits record, and then he signed that one out. He did that one album with Def Jam. Got into a fight, then got put in prison. <laughs> got out of prison, and like now he's just independent. Going back to Keith Murray real quick. Have you guys heard his uh, his album with Cannabis, The Under Gods? No, no, no. The Under Gods. That's not like a comic book. It is terrible. Oh, it is goddamn terrible. That's sad, but it doesn't, I'm not surprised because <laughs> Cannabis can't make a song. No, no, he can't. And apparently, he he brought Keith Murray down to his level, no. and it's like it is track like it. It's one of those ones like you know how records will build from from track one until the end and mm -hmm. they get better. This one goes the other direction. It starts off terrible and then gets worse. It's 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 sad to see them like like fall like that but it, like but it's so funny because it's like it's it's so bad yeah see that's jacked up i remember like three or three years ago keith murray did an independent cut is basically talking about the history of keith murray and he had tyrese singing on the hook and i used to hear it on sirius xm all the time and i could never find it anywhere to buy it because i liked it it was like reminiscent it was reminiscent of like hip-hop tracks in the 90s where you either had that super fly up tempo joint or you had that like mid mid mellow r&b groove type hip-hop joint and it was along yeah. that it was along that lines it was kind of like a, along the lines of uh, the most beautiful Mm. And it was nice. It was just like the history of Keith Murray. And like, this is all the stuff I did. But they didn't talk about the intern incident. But um, <laughs> but that kind of hurts me because the biggest problem with cannabis has been he's always upset with somebody and he beefs for no reason. Like he even beefed with DJ Premier. Who beefs with DJ Premier? What? Who? No one, yeah, no one beefs <laughs> with Primo. He's Primo. He's Primo. Yeah. He's got a pass. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. I mean, like he can make a beat. And not even rhyme over it and diss you with no it with no problems at all. 